a heart full of God's love, such as generosity, hospitality, kindness, sympathy, harmony, and humility, it will overflow to others. Be the willing heart that God is looking to flow through. Well, you know what? I am so excited to be with you again today that we can continue our discussion on love. All these must be for us in love, uh-huh, in all of our relationships. We got to be sincere. We got to be discerning. All these must. Oh, yeah. Must display tender affection. M-U-S-T. Honor others. We got to be enthusiastic, patient. Oh, my goodness. We get all that going and we still got some more. Yes. And I tell you, you get this going in your relationships. It's a sure thing. You will have the rhythm. You will have the pace. You will be moving in the path of doing the right thing and making wise choices and getting it done. Oh, isn't that just wonderful? All right, let's move on today. Number seven, love must be generous. And you know, we're moving from Romans, the 12th chapter, starting at the ninth verse to about the 16th verse there. Okay. That's our base. The 13th verse, the very beginning of it says, contribute to the needs of the saints. So we're talking about, it's a must that we be generous. The word translated contribute is the verb form of the word koinonia. You know, we all know that, which means to share with others. On one level, it means sharing in the hurts and the heartaches of others. On another level, it means opening your pocketbook and giving so that the poor believers will have their needs met. Now, that's a true measure of your Christian faith, isn't it? What are you doing to meet the needs of those who have less than you have? You can extend this to supporting God's work around the world. You can give off the top or off the bottom of your paycheck. Your answer says something important about the state of your soul. When you're willing to help others, as you see others in need, when God has blessed you and you're not satisfied that I'm blessed, but I want to see some other folks that they have somewhere to live and clothes to wear and food to eat. The basic necessities in life on this side. All right. And then taking it a step further that you would give. You know, your giving can help people that you would never be able to help. That as you give into a ministry or nonprofit, you give into those and begin to help them. We've got Dunamis nonprofit at our church. And I'm telling you, we have helped so many families. We fed so many families. We have furnished so many homes. We have even found dwelling places for people. Oh, gosh, we've helped with food, clothing in so many ways. Finances. Oh, yes, we've helped in so many ways. And we're extending it even more so in helping people and contributing to the needs of the saints. So I ask you again, what are you doing to meet the needs of those who have less than you do? Oh, I'm telling you, it's time that you began to give back because whatever answer you gave me to that, that tells something about the state of your soul. And I certainly hope that you are contributing. All right. Number eight, love must pursue hospitality. We're going to look at verse 13 and the latter section of it. Seek to show hospitality. The Greek word for hospitality is philozenio. A compound made up of two other Greek words, philos, we've heard that before, haven't you? Which means kind, affection, or love. And xenos, which means stranger or foreigner. Literally, philozenia means one who loves strangers. Hospitality means showing kindness to strangers. You have to know a person to show them kindness. You know, I show kindness to a lot of people, and not in a small way, in a big way. 
And sometimes people ask me, do you ever hear anything from, you know, the people that you gave all the furniture to? Do you hear anything from the people that put in the home? Do you hear? I said, I didn't give it to them on those bases. I said, I gave it to them because I saw a need and I wanted to help. And we did help. We did. And we prayed. We know that that seed will come forth. What does the Bible say? Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And my position and the posture that I'm supposed to keep is to remain standing on that position that somewhere, oh yes, they are going to serve the Lord because of the seed that was planted. And God has his timing for it all to come up. And so when you live like that and have that perspective, you can you can be generous. You're not saying, oh no, I remember what I did before when I helped so and so and they did. Don't let that's garbage. Let all that go. And just, you know, corner fellowship with others who in giving unto them that no matter what's going on, whether they're hurts or their heartaches or they just don't have, hey, that you want to give generously to them. You want to show kindness to them. Or it doesn't have to be someone that belongs to your church or someone that's in your family. No, you will pursue hospitality. You're going to always be nice to people, whether they're in your natural family, whether they belong to your church, whether they're connected up in your church. Yes, Because, see, this command shows us that, and it's in various places in the New Testament, because hospitality was a central mark of the early church. Yeah, it really was. And in the first century, they didn't have holiday inns and executive suites or Hilton hotels. When Paul came to Corinth, he couldn't check into the airport Marriott because it hadn't been built yet. And you'll find out that there are other places and the places that they did have at that time, they were ill-kept and they were dangerous. Many, a little more than brothels or havens for begrands and robbers. And uh, so as a Christian would travel from place to place across the empire, they didn't have the option of staying in a motel. The only way that a Christian message could spread would be for Christians to open their homes to others. Oh, yeah. And that's the only way an evangelist from Antioch could make it in Ephesus. It would be for a family in Ephesus to open their home to him. And the only way a teacher from Caesarea could visit Cyprus would be for someone from Cyprus to open his or her home and say, my brother, you're welcome to stay with me. Oh, so you can see that God is the original lover of strangers. For while we were yet strangers, Christ died for us. So when we have the love of God, On the inside of us, this love is going to shed abroad. God, he's the original love of strangers. While we were yet estranged from God, he sent his son to the earth. And we who were once strangers and aliens on the earth have now been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We're no longer orphans. We're no longer far away from God. We are now as near to God as his own son is. For through the blood of Jesus, we are brought into his family because he loved us when we were strangers. We are strangers no more. Glory. That's a shout right there. That that God did for us. The same thing happens today. When you and I will show hospitality to others, we are only doing for others what God did for us. Glory to God. All right, what's next? Love must be kind. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. There are two parts to this that we've got to consider. What happens to you and how you respond. 
You will be persecuted. You will be hated, mistreated, misunderstood, lied about, gossiped about. And there will be those who go beyond this to hurt you deeply, leaving scars that last for a lifetime. Whoo, that's so much. Yeah. And sometimes the attacks come from those closest to you, sometimes from within your own family, often from your circle of very close friends, and sometimes from people you thought were your best friends. There's no escaping this reality. Mm-mm. It's like denying the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west. Sooner or later, people you loved and trusted will let you down, and some of them will turn on you. Mm. And you know what else? You can't predict how or when it will happen or who it will be, but it will happen. And what will you do then? How do you bless someone when you would rather curse them? Come on, we're human. But here's a simple way to do it. When you're faced with someone who's mistreated you, ask God to do for them what you want God to do for you. Seek the blessing for them that you want God to do for you. Think of it this way. The greater the hurt, the greater the potential blessing that will come when you bless those who curse you. Yes. Remember, your enemy is a gift from God to you. Though you don't know it and often can't see it, the person who has hurt you so deeply is a gift from God to you. To say that is not to excuse evil or to condone mistreatment. It is to say exactly what Joseph meant when he said to his brothers, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. That's shouting material right there. Genesis 50 and 20. Your enemies humble you. They keep you on your knees. They reveal your weakness and they expose your total need for God. Oh, yes. Just as David needed King Saul to pursue him, to persecute him, and repeatedly attempt to kill him, you need the enemies God sends to you. If you didn't need them, He wouldn't send them. Therefore, thank God who knows best. Thank God and love your enemies the best way you can. As you bless and praise God, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Mm. Number 10, love must show sympathy. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's verse 15. Love gets involved. It doesn't stand stoically on the sidelines while others go through a hard time. Many of you probably find it easier to weep with someone else than to rejoice with them. It's a good thing when you can laugh with your friends and then weep with them later. Many people aren't able to do that. They can only rejoice if they got they got blessed too. But when you can rejoice with others, you, you know, uh, that's a good thing. And then there are those that can't rejoice. You know, they can cry with others, and but can't rejoice when they rejoice. You got to learn how to show sympathy and get involved in, in someone's life. And, you know, it'll make the world a difference in your own. Number 11, love must live in harmony. Verse 16, first part of it says, live in harmony with one another. That Greek literally reads, think the same things toward each other. Now, this doesn't by any means imply total agreement. After all, if two people totally agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. (laughs) The word harmony implies a beautiful symphony, a collection of instruments playing on the same page at the same time. You don't need to sound alike and you don't play the same notes. 
So it is in the body of Christ. We don't all look alike or act alike or sound alike. We certainly don't always think alike. If you doubt that, remember the last church business meeting you attended? (laughs) I do. Or better yet, just listen to the different conversations in the lobby of the church or a lobby of a, after you've come from a dinner or even in the fellowship hall of the church after the morning service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The church, both local and worldwide, because I've gone to all levels of meeting, we're enriched by the variety of different opinions. But there is harmony amid all of the sounds. When you understand that the things that unite us are greater than the things that divide us. Mm, How about that? Love must live in harmony. Everything balanced and flowing together. That's my word for harmony, flow. We have such a flow at our church and I just love it. And I thank God for it from the beginning of the service all the way through praise and worship and the exhortations and the message. It is such a flow. It would have taken... I'm telling you, uh, a whole unit on the floor of an office building to make all that work. And it still wouldn't work the way the flow of the spirit works. When everybody's moving in love, everybody has the same goal, Jesus Christ, to be glorified. It's just a wonderful thing in that harmony. And when you get it going like that in your home or in your church, you get things going in your office space. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect. But everything is flowing. Everything is flowing in a harmony. When you live in harmony, let me tell you, you will command everything around you to be in harmony as well. Number 12, we are here. Love must show humility. Verse 16, second part of it. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. (laughs) I can say it more directly. Don't be a snob. (laughs) The word translated conceited, it means wise in your own thinking. Don't get the big head. Don't think you are too good to hang out with people who are not in your social class. One translation says, make real friends with the poor. Say what you will about Jesus, but he was no snob. He associated with tax collectors, prostitutes, and drunkards. Jesus wasn't a front runner. He was a true friend of sinners who welcomed everyone who wanted to be with him. Mm. Someone told D.L. Moody, sir, I am a self-made man. And Moody replied, you have relieved the almighty of a great responsibility. You know, D.L. Moody, I like a lot of his books and uh, he just had a lot of practical things to say. So if you are full of God's love, it will overflow to others. Only God can do that, and he does it wherever he finds a willing heart. Mm. It's all it takes, a willing heart. I know that the 12 steps to agape love from Romans 12, 9 through 16, has blessed you these couple of weeks here, because it has certainly blessed me. And just to go over them, it says love must be sincere. Love must be discerning. Love must display tender affection. Love must honor others. Love must be enthusiastic. Love must be patient. Love must be generous. Love must pursue hospitality. Love must be kind. Love must show sympathy. Love must live in harmony. And love must show humility. If you are full of God's love, let it flow. Let it flow to others. Let it flow. 
Ah, that's God's gift to us, agape love. All God's looking for to flow through you is a willing heart and watch the love flow. Mm, This is wonderful. I've enjoyed just sharing with you the last couple of weeks. And I tell you one thing, if you want to grow in this area, and you've got to just begin to reach out to people this week, whatever area that I've shared with you over the last couple of weeks that you see that you need to grow in, reach out to someone. Uh huh. And whatever area that may be of those 12 steps to agape love. Well, my prayer for you is that God allows you to live as long as you want and that you never want as long as you live. I am Carol Dixon. And this is Dash. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Dash is here to serve the community positively, productively, and prayerfully. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can listen to this podcast and previous podcast episodes again and again. Also, share Dash with neighbors, friends, and family members by sending the podcast through email, text, and Facebook. If you need more information about Dr. Carol E. Dixon and Dash, go to caroldixon.net. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.